Howdy, online family. Thanks for tuning in to the Grace Church of Ocala podcast. We are equipping disciples who make disciples in Ocala, Florida. I'm Ryan Gagnon. We're going to be hearing today from Pastor Michael Loxtanfor as he continues our series, The Test, a study in the book of James. We have prayed about how best to meet our community with the gospel message of Jesus. We believe this digital component is a way of meeting our community here on the web. We hope God uses it to encourage and challenge you. We also encourage you to serve a local church body. Remember, you can't be the church by yourself. How well do you get along with your family? For most, if not all of us, if that were a test, we wouldn't exactly receive the highest of marks. Well, guess what? It is part of the test as outlined here in the book of James. When we begin following Christ, we become part of a faith family. God cares about how we treat one another. Pastor Michael will explain today that pride is the source of much conflict between God's people. The idea being, I am more concerned with myself than others. So how do we deal with pride? We all have it. It's a major problem in relationships. God wants us to love one another, but we tend to care more about ourselves than what's going on in someone else's life. The great news is that this problem isn't new. God has been dealing with pride since the beginning, and he knows what to do. He will use James chapter 4 to give us the answers we're looking for. Today we will see that the test of friendship must humble our hearts before God. Let's listen in together. Good morning, church. Um, if you're guest with us, um, it's, we're in a little bit of a strange season, an unusual season. I don't normally do all the things that I'm doing this morning. Um, but we share. We're, we have a team of pastors here who work together and we share. And so this is my season to preach, which means that I'm singing and preaching because you don't want Todd to lead us in singing. <laughs> I'm a little bit nervous this morning um, because our text today addresses an issue I don't think we're having yet. And so sometimes when you come to the Word, God gives you a word exactly for the thing that you're going through right now. And sometimes when you come to the Word, you come to it and God gives you a thing that you're going to need next week. And so when you get there, you go, oh, that's what he was talking about, right? So I'm looking at our body. As I'm praying through this sermon this week, I'm thinking, this isn't, I mean, there are parts here that are extremely applicable to where we're at, but there are parts, direct parts, that maybe aren't. So we're listening forward this morning. <laughs> we're coming to James chapter 4, and we're reading it for whatever might be down the corner, which is a little bit nerve-wracking. But let's go right there together this morning. If you need a Bible or you'd like a Bible to follow along with, we have these, what we call the story Bibles, and this is a gift to you. If you'd like one, you can follow along. Our text is going to be on page 852, and you can take this home. Um, it's a gift for you, and we'll read along together. James chapter 4. James chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. Uh, 
causes quarrels and fights among you? Familiar question this morning. <clears throat> what causes quarrels and fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet, excuse me, and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people, you, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he made to dwell in us? But he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. We're going to pause there. And this morning, we've already introduced, you know, brother-sister relationships. As we're reading, just cursory reading over the text the first time through, we see the theme of friendship. And so this morning, as we come to James chapter 4, my hope is that we'll walk away understanding that the test of friendship must humble our hearts before God. The test of friendship must humble our hearts before God. And he starts, he, he comes right out of the gate swinging. So if this is your first time with us, we've been through three chapters, and he's been doing kind of a circular thing where he starts talking about a thing, then he'll go to another thing, go to another thing, he'll come back to it, and then he'll go to the next thing again. And so he's doing this thing, kind of a, a wash cycle of just, I, I mentioned this, and now I'm going deeper, and now I'm going deeper. Well, James chapter 4, I think, is where he just gets to the point. Okay? So we're at the point now. So if you're, you're, we're jumping in together, and it might seem like this is a really weird time to just ask, like, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Well, he's, he's been talking to him for three chapters, so when he jumps in, he asks that question. It's a, it must be a rhetorical question because he immediately answers it. Is it not this, that your passions are at war with you, within you? There's conflict of your desires. And he mentioned this way back in chapter 1, said a double-minded person, when they pray to God and ask for help with the situations that they're going through, they have to ask in faith, otherwise they're getting tossed around. He's saying, look, this is, this is a reality. What causes these things? So pride in our hearts makes more with God and his people. It's pride I'm more concerned with myself and what I want than with what other people want. And I'm, we're so blessed. It's a challenge to do the Kid Nation Address every week. It's one of the most, more difficult parts of preparing a sermon for, for Grace Church is to come up with how do I explain this to kids. But we're blessed to have that time because oftentimes the things that the Bible teaches about adults, like we can see it real clear in little kids. They did not hesitate to tell me what they fight about, did they? They knew. I mean, Riley was putting on airs for me, but, but he knew exactly what they fought about yesterday. And so it's easy to identify in children, like, what, what do you guys fight about? Well, he has that toy that I want, and he wants it, and I want it, and we're just going to fight about it because neither one of us is willing to be considerate of the other person. The selfish desires... Is selfish pride, which worships yourself as the ultimate, like, I'm here to serve me. I'm here to serve me. I'm here to serve me. So church, I don't see very much conflict 
among us? If there is, it hasn't bubbled to the surface where I've, where I've been able to observe it, but, but here's where we have to start reflecting. If we're not in conflict yet, what might cause conflict in the future? Where are you more concerned with your desires and what you want than being considerate of what another person might need? Here's, here's something really interesting I noticed in the text this week. Um, go, go with me. He says, you desire and do not have, so you murder. Well, that's pretty extreme. Like, I want what you have, I'm going to kill you. And, uh, I mean, none of us are Cain. We might not identify with that this morning. But Jesus said something about being angry with a brother and that being equivalent to murder. I'm, I'm not sure. It says it in there somewhere. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask, you do not, or you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to speak, to spend it on your passions. Pause there. Um, war grows from the roots of selfish pride. Conflict with each other is coming from that root. But just in these first three verses, he's talking, I think, about relationships with each other. You, you do not have because you do not ask. You're frustrated with that person because they're not do, meeting your expectations they're not meeting your expectations because you haven't asked them for it. He hasn't gotten to the God relationship. We know that Jesus teaches the same thing about prayer. Like if you, you don't have from God because you didn't ask. But I don't think James has gotten to that point. I think he's talking about how we talk to each other. Are you communicating? Or are you so focused on yourself and what you want that you can't even verbalize it to the person that you have expectations of? That's a source of conflict. Now, where I got hung up this week was, what, is it, what do we do with that next bit? You ask but do not have because you ask from a wrong motive. Now, sometimes, again, we look at children and we say, okay, if I know a kid is asking for something because he just wants to, his brother not to have it, then I might disregard that, that request. I might say, no, you can't have that. You have the wrong passion, the wrong desire. How does that work in church? What I like to see here, what I'd like to suggest is that God is intimately involved in how we communicate with each other. It is a miracle for someone to speak words in air to another person who has to hear it and translate it and understand what they meant. That is a miracle that it ever happens. Communication in general is a miracle. And so what I think is here that's not explicit, is that the Holy Spirit communicates between us. When we have conversations, we have hard conversations, God is involved. So if you're asking somebody and it's just not working, they're not getting it, you're asking and not receiving, maybe God is saying, I'm disrupting the communication here because your motives are wrong. Because war, conflict, grows out of the roots of selfish pride. And war with our faith family is war against God. You say, so what? We're having conflict with each other. That's just church stuff. It happens every now and then. We fight. We argue. I'm married. Like, I know what battle is. I know what conflict and miscommunication is. That's just life. So what, Michael? It doesn't matter. Hey, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is enmity with God, anger with God, conflict with God? You only have one heart. If you're fighting and angry and, and just built up, you know that feeling of just like a rock, like in your chest somewhere? Of like, if you have that, can you then turn around to God and say, God, I love you. 
Thanks for saving me. You're so good. War with our faith family is, is war with God. We cannot have conflict, continuing, unresolved, sinful, prideful conflict with each other and do a good job at worshiping God. It's not possible. And, and, and lest you think I'm making a bigger point of this than James does, there's something that the English Standard Version, the ESV that we use here, there's something that it's hiding from us that I think if you're reading a New, New American Standard, the NASB, they show you. All, all throughout this book, every time James writes and he's addressing, my beloved brothers, my brothers, my brothers. Here in verse 3, he calls them adulteresses. It, it says adulterous people in the English Standard, but the, the word is feminine. So wherever else he said, my brothers, my brothers, my brothers, now he's saying, you whores! Don't you get it that conflict and pride with each other is war with God? This is a big deal. And that's a slap in the face to the original readers. It's strong language. Friendship with the world is fighting with God. Whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy. Or do you suppose there's no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he made to dwell in us? Hey, God gave you your spirit for you to turn around in pride and say, I'm just going to serve me. What I want is the best. I'm going to worship myself. The one who gave you that good gift, that gave you that spirit, is going to say, you owe that to me. He yearns jealously like a kid whom you've stolen his toy. <laughs> but, I love those kinds of words in Scripture, but he gives what? It's right there. You're looking at me. It's in your Bible. What does it say? He gives more grace. There's conflict. This is a big deal. This is war, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. He's going to give us an answer to this conflict if we continue reading. So let's continue reading. James chapter 4, beginning in verse 7, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. And purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourself before the Lord and he will exalt you. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and judge. He who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you? But who are you to judge your neighbor? It's humility with God that makes peace with our neighbor. It's, it's connected. For a long, long time, I thought, I just have to get right with God. I just have to spend more time in prayer. I just have to read more Bible. I just have to fast and just get me and God right. And I ignored other people. I didn't care what they were struggling with. I didn't care whether they were doing the right thing or the wrong thing, because I'm just going to do me. And in doing so, I missed that, one, conflict 
with my brother is conflict with God. And two, that humility with God, genuine humility with God, makes peace with my neighbor. He says, submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. He's going to run away. Here's the thing. When at first we're saying, I'm going to build myself up by getting everything I want. Selfish pride. I'm going to have my way in this situation. I'm going to build myself up and be exalted by selfish pride. God's saying, genuine humility will exalt you. Look at verse 10. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. There's a false humility. There's a fake humility. Just like there's fake wisdom we've already talked about. There's a fake humility which says, I'm worthless. I always do it the wrong way. I'm never going to get it right. And you go to God and you just tell him how terrible you are. And he's like, yeah, you are terrible. That's why I had to save you. But hey, I wanted to save you. I picked you up out of the muck and the mire and the sin that you loved. You loved to hate me. And I went there and I died for you and I pulled you out of that. Yes, you were terrible. You were totally and utterly depraved. And yet I wanted you for myself. Humble yourself before me and I will exalt you. There's a false humility that just wants to humble ourselves and beat ourselves down and say we're always wrong and we're doing the wrong thing and we're never going to get it right. And that's the part where, and the title of this sermon is God and My Weeping. There's a time where we come to God and we weep and we mourn at all of the sin and that's necessary and that's here. There's times where we repent. But God doesn't leave us in the trough of sorrow. If we come to him in genuine humility, he what? End of verse 10. He will exalt you. Are you trying to coordinate and build yourself up by getting what you want? Are you coming to God and saying, God, I really want to be prideful here, but I'm not worth it. The only leg I have to stand on is Jesus Christ. Before the throne of God above, I have a strong and perfect plea. A great high priest whose name is Love. So we can come and say, God, I'm not worth it. And he can say, yeah, but I chose you and now I'm going to use you. Let me exalt you. Be exalted in genuine humility rather than selfish pride. And remember where we pause just in the last paragraph, but he gives more grace. Yeah, conflict is bad, but he gives more grace. Hey, if God is giving more grace to you, don't you have more grace to give to somebody else? More grace received should lead to more grace given. But he gives more grace. Because he turns here and says in verse 11, do not speak evil against one another, brothers. And I think what's happening here is he's not saying don't go to somebody and say, and ask them a question about, like, are you in conflict with God? Don't be, he's not saying, don't go and have conflict and, 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 and correct somebody who might be in sin. He's saying, don't speak evil about one another, brothers. Don't go to somebody who cannot fix anything in the situation that you have a problem with and speak evil about a brother. Go to the, one, go to the person who can fix it. And two, like, You've given, been given more grace. You've been reconciled to God. You didn't deserve it. 
More grace received should lead to more grace given. Don't be talking about how bad other people are behind their back because when you do, you're judging your brother and you're judging the law of God, which is a profound mystery I don't think that we can dig into yet this morning. At some level, the way we speak about our brothers who aren't in the room is how we speak about the Word of God. So that's a lot of heavy stuff. I told you we're getting to the point. This is the point. This is the hammer. He's laying it down. How do we do this? Here's, here's, here's a real practical thing that we can take away from. Let's continue reading. Verse 13. Come now you who say, today or tomorrow we'll go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you don't know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. (laughs) Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance, and all such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is a sin. So perspective on our day, our day-to-day life, guards us against pride. Remember, we started way back in chapter 1 with that weird proverb he stuck in the middle there. Um, Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation, because like a flower of the grass he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass, its flower falls, and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. That's verses 9 through 11 in chapter 1. He sticks this little proverb in there to remind us to be focused and shaped by an eternal perspective. There's a lot of stuff we have to deal with that's going to get burnt up real quick. There are day-to-day decisions about our budget. There's day-to-day decisions about our time that we have to make and move on, and it's going to get burnt up. But if we have an eternal perspective, and we're shaped by that, then it's going to shape our whole lives. So, so when you read this, it's like, okay, I get that, right? But these guys, they're, they're business people. They're, they're making a plan, and they've got an idea, and they made a plan, and now they've got action steps and how they're going to do it. Like, that's, they're business people. That's what they're going to do. And if they're Christian people, then it should just be assumed that if the Lord wills, right? It doesn't, like, come on. Do I have to say that after every little thing? I'll just remind you um, and the test of our tongue shows whose wisdom we follow. Which, if you weren't here, that's the big idea from last week in chapter 3. How we speak about things really betrays how we do things. So it might seem like a stupid thing. It might seem a little bit silly every time you're making a plan to say, whether, well, if the Lord wills, if God lets it happen, then we'll, then we'll do this or that. It seems a little bit silly to say that kind of stuff. But when you say that stuff, it reinforces the idea. The testing of our tongue shows whose wisdom we follow. What you say demonstrates whether or not you're actually paying attention. And when your perspective is shaped by eternity, you have more grace for today. If that one thing, the, the, the conflict or, or the annoyance, sometimes, and this is a new thing for me, and it, it seems like a silly thing, but I've realized that sometimes people do stuff that's annoying and it's not sin. And I still get frustrated with it, but it's not a sin for them. It's a me problem. 
It's not sin, but I'm angry about it, and I want to correct it. Well, it's not a sin. I shouldn't correct it, right? I need to deal with that. So there's sin, and there's not sin. But when you have a perspective shaped by eternity, I'm going to live in heaven forever with all these people. I maybe can give you a little bit of grace when you're running on my nerves. Maybe. Right? Today or tomorrow we'll go to such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Sometimes I just, just real quick as, as we're wrapping up here, sometimes I think we sit down and we make those plans. Sometimes those plans are embedded in us. We, we are so focused on this thing that we want to do that we're missing what's going on around us. I mean, that picture is of a subway. A busy, busy place people are going all the time. But my, my question for application is, what do we do with our phones? Have our phones captivated our attention? Have they become the plan? Today, I'm going to do this and this and this, and I'm going to get these likes, and I'm going to share this post, and all that kind of stuff. It's distracting us. The, the fleeting stuff that gets burnt up distracts us from the eternal and the people that are surrounding us. Perspective on our day guards us against pride. Why is pride a big deal? Because conflict with other people from pride is conflict with God. And what's the solution to that? Humility with God makes peace with our neighbor. So that's it. That's James chapter 4. The test of our friendship must humble our hearts before God. It might seem like choosing to, to, have, to, to fight with somebody over something that you want your way like, that doesn't seem to me like I want to be friends with the world. Like, I, I just want my way. But, I, but James is really, really on point about this. That that's adultery. Focusing and worshiping on yourself rather than on reconciling with your brothers is worshiping a God other than the true one. So it's a challenge. And this morning, I'm not sure that we have that in our body Yet. So my plea as, we, as we're closing is to reflect on what this means and what changes do we need to make today as preventative measures going forward into the next weeks and months. Where are we so focused on what we want and what we want to get out and how we can be served that we're not thinking about how can I serve, how can I invest, what can I be doing? So as we close and we reflect, I'd like to invite you on your connection card in the back. This morning, God, how's God speaking this morning? What's he doing? Where is he calling you to lay down your selfish pride? What is he calling you to pick up as being centered on other people? So we'll take a few minutes and reflect, and then we'll close together and sing. Thanks again for listening. We hope you've been challenged, encouraged, and helped by God and His Word. If you want more information about Grace Church of Ocala or would like to get in contact with us, please visit our home on the web, ocalagrace.org. And if we haven't met yet, we hope to talk with you soon.